Discover the hidden Israelite ancestry of some of the most powerful nations on earth. Watch as scripture unveils the terrifying future of America and Great Britain as revealed through the sabbatical and jubilee years. Discover the identity of Assyria and its role in this final jubilee cycle. pending judgments that are to be soon poured out as a result of transgressing the sabbatical years. Sighted Moon. Shalom and welcome everyone. This is Joseph Dumont at SightedMoon.com and I'm glad to have you back here. We're going to start talking today about the newest uh, newsletter that we're sending out. We've just added a 13th month and 8 hour bet to our year. Now, this upsets a number of people for a lot of different reasons because, first of all, they, they aren't keeping an 8-hour bet this year. They're on the Hebrew calendar. But we're going to explain this notion of a 13th month. Where do we get this from? How did that come about? Generally, what happens is people get upset when I expose their sins to them. And instead of trying to correct their sins, instead of trying to figure out what it is that they're doing wrong or maybe what it is that I'm saying that's got them troubled, they turn and they attack me. I'm pointing out sins so that you have a chance to be in Jehovah's salvation. And that's why we do this. Not to show that you're, you know, that we're better than someone else or someone else is better than us. It's to show your sins so that you can get in line with Jehovah and be a part of his kingdom. And that's the whole purpose of everything that we're doing here. If we didn't add a 13th month, if we didn't add a 13th month, what would happen? In the Muslim world, they keep what is called Ramadan. And Ramadan comes around, and it's a different month every year. And the reason they do this is because they don't have an intercalculated month in their calendar. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that if they don't do that, like the Hebrews do, then Ramadan comes in January, comes in February, comes in March, it comes in April, comes in December, it's a different time. But in the Hebrew calendar, we keep the beginning of the year, Passover is generally in March or April every year, and Sukkot is generally in September, October every year. Why is that? That's because we have an intercalculated month added in so often. But you've got to remember something. Ishmael and Esau were both taught by Abraham and Isaac. Where did Jacob learn about the calendar? From Isaac and from Abraham. So we have the same group of people learning about the crescent moon to begin the month at the same time from the same people. It's not until the Exodus that we're told, when Moses is told by Jehovah, this shall be your beginning of months. When the barley was just about Aviv, or actually when the barley was Aviv, when the barley was ripening, that's the beginning of months. Esau and Ishmael weren't there at the Exodus, so their calendar continues to rotate around and around, changing from month to month, whereas the Hebrew calendar has a 13th month added to it every once in a while. Exodus 12.2 is where we get this from. This month shall be to you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them each man a lamb for a father's house. A lamb for a house. This is in preparation for the Passover. We're going to fast forward now a little bit. The temple's now been destroyed. 70 AD, the temple's been destroyed. And we come to a, uh, sometimes in the three, 350s AD, common era. So I want to read something to you. This is off the internet. It's about Hillel. Hillel is the one who created the Hebrew calendar. That's the one the majority of people are following to this day. 
The Hillel calendar, or the Hebrew calendar, is the one that all the Jews are following. There's a point to this teaching today, and you know I'm, I'm going to upset people. I know it. I just know it. But really, frankly, Scarlett, who cares? Right? <laughs> Hillel too. Also, Hillel the Nasi. Nasi is the, uh, the president of the Sanhedrin. In two instances, his name is quoted in connection with the important decisions in Jewish law. In one, Jose ben Abin expounds to him a law. In the other, Hillel cites Mishnah to establish a law. He is traditionally regarded as the creator of the modern fixed Hebrew calendar. Modern fixed Hebrew calendar, or the calculated calendar. It first appears in the responsum of R. He Geon, the 19-year cycle for leap year intercalations. This is kind of very, whoa, what's going on here? This is the first time we've heard of Hillel mentioned. So the most that can be inferred from the attribution is that Hillel was responsible for the adoption of the cycle for the regulation of the distribution of leap years. The title of this track here, this teaching, is the Metonic Cycles and where the 13th month comes from. The Metonic Cycle is about 19-year cycles. Every time you go around in a 19-year cycle, all the planets line up in the same place again, in the exact same place, every 19 years. Actually, there is, in fact, much more that can be inferred from this citation. The citation explicitly refers to the year that this event happened, 670 of the Seleucid Era, which corresponds to 358-359 Common Era. The Malad of Tishri for that year, 4119, would be Saturday, 23 hours and 233 parts. Okay, we're getting a bit too complicated here. We're trying to keep you understand where this comes from. Scholars who have studied the history of the Hebrew calendar are in general agreement, and there is much evidence for this in the Talmud itself and in other rabbinic sources, that in practice the evolution of the calendar into its present form was a gradual process spanning several centuries from the first to about the eighth or ninth century common era. Did you catch what I just said? Let me read it again. The Hebrew calendar are in general agreement, or scholars of the Hebrew calendar are in general agreement, that in practice, the evolution of the calendar into its present form was a gradual process spanning several centuries from the first to about the 8th or 9th century common era. What? I thought Jehovah made this calendar. No, the modern Hebrew calendar has evolved from the 1st century until the 8th or 9th century. And that statement itself is not quite true because it was not instituted until Rambam did it at the end of the 12th century common era. Rambam instituted the modern Hebrew calendar that everyone follows today in the 12th century. But before that, there was a lot of confusion because they were going with what they used to do and with a compromised because they were no longer in the land to look for the barley and they were no longer in the land to sight the moon because that's how they used to do it before Hillel came up with this and we only know about Hillel because of this 9th century mention of him in a citation. The, the champions of the view of that the calendar was developed in the 8th or 9th century C is Sacha Stern. This quote is from page 184-85 of his book Calendar and the Community. 
Of a far greater importance, however, is a much later document from the Cairo Geniza. Now, a Geniza is in the front of the synagogue where they used to take the, the Torah scrolls and put them there inside an earthen vessel, inside a, a clay jar. These Torah scrolls were damaged, they were old, or they were false teachings, and they wanted to get rid of them. But because they had Jehovah's name written in them, they were not allowed to destroy them or burn them. They were considered holy. So they put them in earthen jars in a secret place in the front of the Geniza. And that's a whole other teaching, and that ties into the Qumran uh, Dead Sea Scrolls found in earthen jars in front of the synagogue facing towards Jerusalem. Another teaching, another day. But that's what a Geniza is. And in the Geniza in Cairo, where they found this, a letter of a Babylonian teacher, one of the main leaders of the Rabbinite community, with detailed calendrical instructions for the year 835-836. The letter reveals that Passover that year was on a different day than what the Hebrew calendar says it was, the modern Hebrew calendar. So this is where the citation comes from. We move ahead to uh, the Emperor Julian the Apostate, was gracious to Hillel, whom he honored on a number of occasions. But then after him came Hadrian and then Constantine. And they banned the Jews and they killed the Jews who were announcing when the month began. They were killing them when they went and cited when the barley was ready and when the moon was seen. And those messengers were killed. So they had to do something. And they went to this calendar. But how did he calculate when the 13th month would be added to the calendar. So what Hillel did was he took what is called the observations of Meton. Meton was a Greek astronomer and he founded this uh, discovery about the 19-year cycles in the, what year is that? 5th century BC. So he discovered that all the planets lined up every 19 years in the same order that they were 19 years ago and they will be in the same position 19 years from now. And that's what Meton discovered. So it's called the Metonic Cycle. So go and look it up, Metonic Cycle, M-E-T-O-N-I-C. Hillel adopts it. Now, the Babylonians before this had already discovered this, but Meton is the one that's given credit for it. So Hillel adopts that calculation into his calculated calendar. So this is now 5th century B.C. Meton discovers it. The Babylonians already had it. 358 common era. Hillel adds this to his calculations because of the persecutions of the Hadrian, uh, Emperor Hadrian and Emperor Constantine. And then after this, these things are passed out, but people are still trying to figure out when to keep the month. And if you'll notice that the Jews, for the first day, the Feast of Trumpets on the first day of the seventh month, always kept a two-day feast. It's a one-day feast according to the Torah, but it's a two-day feast according to the Hebrew calendar. Why? Because they just didn't know which day was which. Now, this brings up a, an interesting point that the Christians always quote when you're quoting prophecy, no man shall know the day or the hour. Therefore, because no man shall know the day or the hour, you're a false prophet because you're predicting the day and the hour. But Paul says, and I think it's Thessalonians, he says, but of that time, we're not to be ignorant, brethren, because we know the season. It will not catch us as a thief in the night. Is Paul contradicting what Yeshua said, no man shall know the day or the hour? No, Paul understood what that no man knows the day or the hour meant. It's a Hebrewism for the first day of the Feast of Trumpets. No man shall know the day or the hour because it's the Feast of Trumpets, 
No man can know the day or the hour. That's what that feast means. That's the day the Messiah was born on. And that's the day he's going to come back on. That's the meaning of that feast day. The Feast of Trumpets, a blowing of horns. You know, that's what we do when we celebrate somebody's birthday. We blow those little horns. This is what this day is about, the Feast of Trumpets. So the day that no man can know and the hour that no man can know is because you have to sight the moon. When you go out and sight the new moon, which is the first visible crescent after the sun is set, then you look up there and you try and see it, but you don't know if you're going to see it on this day because of the cloud, because of haze, because it sets too early after the sun has set, or you might just not see it. So then it's the next day. No man shall know the day or the hour. So what hour will you see the moon? You know, I encourage people to go out there and try and do this each month. And we're coming up to the one March 27th, March 28th, or March 29th. Go out and try and sight the moon on that date. Look out in the western sky, see where the sun is set, look up to the left, um, about 5, 10, 15 degrees in the sky and try and sight it. Take a bet with your family. Who's going to see it first? What time? No man can know the day or the hour. That's what this Hebrewism means. And that is talking about the first of the month. And that's proof that this month begins with a crescent moon. Paul says we're, not, we're going to know the season when he's coming. We may not know the day or the hour, whether it's going to be today or tomorrow and at what time. But we're going to know the season because it's the Feast of Trumpets. That's the season. Recently, they found this machine in the Mediterranean Sea that used to use the Metonic Cycle calculations. It's, great. it's like a big computer. You may have seen it. Uh, what's it called here? Do I have a name written down? The Antikythera Mechanism. A-N-T-I-K-Y-T-H-E-R-A Mechanism. And it's, it's like a, an analog computer. But it's from, you know... It's from, it's from ancient Greece. So anyway, that's pretty cool. So Meton creates this 19-year cycle. Hillel adopts it into the Hebrew calendar. And what that does is it comes out and throws out a, a leap year, a 13th month, on the 3rd, the 6th, the 8th, the 11th, the 9th, or the 11th, the 14th, the 17th, and the 19th year of this Metonic cycle. Last year was the 19th year. 2016 was the Metonic year cycle 19. So 2017 is year one. And there's no leap year added according to the Hebrew calendar or according to Metonic cycle. But when we went and observed the barley this year, the barley was in the boot stage, which means that the head hasn't formed, and which means that it has no chance of forming a head before Weishif Day 14 days later. So we've added a 13th month. Yeah, okay, so this is where it's coming from. We have to add a 13th month in order to keep Passover in March or April when the barley is Aviv. We want Aviv barley. We want ripe barley. We have to have ripe barley in order to perform the wave offering during the Days of Unleavened Bread. This all goes back to Leviticus 23, the commandments to keep the holy days. And if you haven't read them, you don't know what you're missing. If you don't keep them, you have no clue what Yeshua, what the Messiah is talking about, what the apostles, what the prophets were talking about in prophecy. You just don't know. And all you're doing is guessing. So if you're not keeping them, you're not obeying them, you don't know. And that's why so many people are so messed up today about the calendar issues, because they don't understand the importance of the barley. The barley is needed for the wave sheaf day that's to be performed between the high days of unleavened bread. The first day of unleavened bread and the seventh day of unleavened bread are high days. 
These are holy days. You're told to keep them holy, but most people ignore them. And then they come out and say, no man shall know the day they are, and they don't know what they're talking about. Hypocrites. Morons. And if that makes you mad, great. Prove me wrong. Go and find the stuff and prove this stuff wrong. Look up the Metonic Cycle. Look up Halil. See when he created this stuff. And if he, you understand that he created it in five or 358 Common Era, what were they keeping before that? We have tombstones from Zoar that we use to prove when the sabbatical jubilee years are. And one of those tombstones gives you a date. And when you check that date on the Hebrew calendar, it doesn't fit. In fact, when you check all the dates on the Hebrew calendar on these tombstones, they don't fit. But one very specific day said Passover was on the Sabbath. And in that year, according to the Hebrew calendar, it wasn't. It wasn't even the right month because the Hebrew calendar is calculated. But these people in Zoar which is at the south end of the Dead Sea in the land of Jordan, we're keeping the crescent moon to begin the month. And when you use the crescent moon, Passover that year happened on the Sabbath. But not only that, it was a leap year that year. And Passover landed on the Sabbath of that leap year, a 13th month. And this is, uh, what year is this, about 359 or 515? I forget which tombstone I'm talking about right now, but we'll, we have a teaching on that. So... The Hebrew calendar has added these 19-year cycle, and they don't always match when the barley's correct or when the barley's ripe. Again, if you don't have barley, you can't do the wave offering. And the wave offering, it took place on the day Yeshua ascended up into heaven. We must have this wave offering because it's important to understand what it's for. Yeshua was dead three days and three nights in the grave. He was killed Wednesday afternoon, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, when the lambs were being slaughtered, when the final offering, or the afternoon offerings, or the evening offerings were done at the temple. He's put in the grave nearby. Joseph of Arimathea has a grave nearby, and he puts him in there. Sun sets, and then that begins the first day of unleavened bread. This is the first day of Passover, the 15th. At sunset begins the 15th, and that's when they ate the Passover lamb. And that's the night that the angel passed over the Israelites who had blood on their doors from this lamb that was killed at 3 o'clock in the afternoon of the 14th day of Nisan, of the first month. Friday, then, is the preparation day for the Sabbath. It's day two. The third day is the Sabbath itself, Saturday. The only sign that we have that Yeshua is our Messiah is that he is going to be in the grave three days and three nights. Friday, Good Friday, doesn't count because he's killed at the end of this day at 3 o'clock. So you have Saturday night or Friday night and Saturday. Well, Easter Sunday, no, he was already out of the grave by Sunday. Three days and three nights does not work with a Good Friday killing. And when we check the calendar, this is 31 common era because that's the only time you have a Wednesday 14th with a crescent moon to begin the month. I know I'm upsetting the apple cart for a lot of people. Okay, really don't care. Now we get to three days and three nights. He comes out of the grave. Mary's there at the grave. She's looking at him. She goes to hug him. And it's on the first day of the week, right? You read in John, it was dark. It was the first day of the week. She goes to hug him. And what does he say? Stop. Don't come near me. I have not yet ascended to my father. But go and tell the other apostles what you've seen. I am alive. <laughs> He's alive. Isn't that awesome? He's alive. But that's not the best part yet. 
It's a yeah, it's a good part. But the best part is yet to come. It's a wave offering, because nine o'clock in the morning is the next offering done at the temple. That's when the wave offering takes place, and that's when Yeshua. Okay, stop. Go back to Matthew 27, verse 50. And it says that when he died, the graves were open. Why were the graves open? And then in the next verse, it says, And those that were in the grave came out of the grave when Yeshua came back to life. Yeshua came back to life at the end of the Sabbath, just before the first day of the week started, at sunset. Those people came out of the grave, and they walked into Jerusalem and were seen by many and scared a lot of people. These are the saints. These are the people who obeyed, who had died and had not heard all the prophets or had not heard all these truths. And they rose and ascended to heaven. What does Paul say? I believe it's in Thessalonians. He led a host of captives with him. Those captives were those people who were in the grave, captured by Satan, who is you know, the father of death. Jehovah made you to live forever. But Satan deceived you and captured you in death. And that's what he's been doing for the last 6,000 years. So you have been freed from that when you obey. If you are not obeying, you're still captured by Satan. You're still one of his prisoners and you're deceived. Satan has deceived the whole world, even you, if you don't think you have to keep the holy days. This barley represents his wave offering. This wave offering represents the saints that were raised up out of the grave and ascended with Yeshua that first day, that year, that he was killed in 31 AD. That's why we need barley. That's why this wave offering is so important. That's why it's so critical for you to understand Leviticus 23 and all that is explained there to you. And if the barley is not ripe, like this year, we add a 13th month. We add a 13th month. So that's the wave offering. There's another wave offering that takes place. If you read Leviticus 23, there's another wave offering that takes place at Shavuot. That's when the rest of the saints, us, Paul talks about this again. Those who are alive will be raised up. In the twinkling of an eye, the dead first, and those of us alive after. That's the next wave offering. That's the one we want to be a part. That takes place at Shavuot. Also at Shavuot was the giving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. And also at Shavuot was the giving of the Holy Spirit to the apostles, the flames of fire on their heads. If you're not keeping Leviticus 23 in the holy days there, you don't know what you're talking about in the Torah. You don't know what you're talking about in the end times, like right now. We're coming up the end of our time value that goes by fast. So, okay, I'm, I, <laughs> I can't let you go yet. There's too much controversy left to talk about here. Because I've stirred up a, quite a pot here with people by saying certain things. So we're going to run a little bit over time. And let's go to Deuteronomy 32, verse 15. But Jeshurun, that's Israel, grew fat and kicked. They got, you know, Jehovah blessed them and they've gotten fat and lazy and they stopped keeping the Torah. You grew fat, thick, and satisfied. Then he forsook God who made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. The rock of your salvation. That rock is Yeshua. That rock is Jehovah. He is the one who's going to protect you. He's going to save you. That's your salvation. He is your protector. He's your guide. He's your teacher. He's your rabbi. But people treat it so lightly. They, they don't consider it. They don't value it. What does it say the rest of this? And on top of this, none of them were keeping the sabbatical years. Oops, I've added that in there. <laughs> 
They don't keep the Sabbath. They don't keep the holy days, and they don't keep the sabbatical years, and they don't keep the holy days at the right time because they're following the he uh, the Hebrew calendar created by Hillel to replace the crescent moon because they were outside the land. That's why they did it. It was the best thing they could do when they're being outside the land and adding a 13th month on every so many years on a 19-year cycle created by a Greek. Now, during this time in the last, you know, 2,000 years, they've added postponement rules so that the holy days in the fall don't land next to the Sabbath. So you don't have a holy day and a Sabbath back to back. But it doesn't say that in your Torah. They've added that. Now they're saying here in the 20th century, 21st century, that we're going to do the same for Passover so it's not back-to-back -back holy days and the Sabbath. This is a new thing. It doesn't say that, but the Hebrew calendar now does. So if you're using the Hebrew calendar to follow the holy days, then you got a problem. This word salvation in Deuteronomy 32, okay, it comes from the word 3444 in the Hebrew Strongs. And it is Yeshua. Yeshua. Yeshua is what we call Jesus in Hebrew. Yeshua. That's his Hebrew name. And it means this. Something saved. That is salvation. Save. Saving. Health. Welfare. Deliverance. And it comes from the root word 3467. Yasha. To be open. Wide. Or free, that is, by implication, to be safe, causatively to free, to succor, to avenge, defend, deliver, help, preserve, rescue, be safe, bring, salvation, save, get victory. This is liberty. This is liberty. By being tied to the rock, you are liberal, or not liberal, that's the wrong word, liberty. You are free. The Torah sets you free. It removes that yoke, that bondage that Satan has on you that you don't realize it's there and is weighing you down and holding you back. The Torah sets you free, keeping the holy days, the commandments, Levitic, uh, the fourth commandment, keeping the Sabbath and the holy days, the ones that Christians say is nailed to the tree. It sets you free when you obey and keep these things. I got a question for you. If keeping the Hebrew calendar is so important, so good to do, and, and so righteous. And Jehovah says that he will set you free and he will keep you safe if you attach yourself to that rock. And that rock is Jehovah. Why did six million Jews die during the Holocaust, during World War II? Why have the Jews been kicked out of the land? Why was Israel kicked out of the land in, in 723 uh, 23 B.C.? Why were the Jews kicked out in 586 B.C.? Why were they kicked out in 70 A.D.? Why are the pogroms all across Europe, all these centuries? And why the Holocaust now in World War II? You're not going to like the answer, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway because I really don't care what you think of me. It's, if you read the Bible and you read it, it says they started keeping, you know, when Nehemiah came back after 586 B.C., they came back to the land. They kept Sukkot for the first time, which they hadn't done since the days of Joshua. He had to stop them from breaking the Sabbath by selling on the Sabbath. And in one verse there, it's talking about the Shemitah year. They want to trade and buy and sell, but they're waiting for the new moon so they can cheat again. That's the Shemitah year they're talking about. Daniel 4, 8, 18, I believe, or somewhere around there. So many times we read in the Bible that they didn't keep the holy days or they didn't keep the Sabbath as Jehovah had commanded them. That's why they got kicked out. Why did 6 million Jews die during the Holocaust? Because they did not keep the Torah. They did not keep 
the holy days according to the crescent moon and according to the barley being Aviv. Yes, they had people in the land at that time, but they didn't have the land, but they had people in the land because the Arabs started to drive them out when they realized in 1947 that the land was going to be given back to the Jews. And that what started the war in 1948. The War of Independence, when Israel became a state. But they're in the land. And now they still do not cite the barley. And they do not use the moon to begin the month. Therefore, their days are calculated by the conjunction. And they're off by one, two, and three days every holy day. If you think it's okay to be off by a day or two, then keep the Sabbath on Sunday. Or keep it on Friday. It doesn't matter. But Jehovah says it does. And it's huge to him because so many times Israel has been slaughtered and Judah has been slaughtered throughout history. And if you don't stop and ask why, then Jehovah is a liar. He says he'll protect you. Then why didn't he protect the Jews in World War II? Well, he's punishing them. He raised up the Assyrians, the Germans, once again to punish them. The same as he's about to do now, and we'll have more on that in another podcast. If you think you're going to be raptured because you're a good little Christian, then why weren't the Yazidis raptured from ISIS before they came? No, the women were raped and put into sex camps and raped repeatedly by hundreds of men and sold into slavery to others later on. The Christians in Mosul, why weren't they raptured? No, they were, you know... You can, you can pay the Yezida the tax, the taskmaster tax that we talked about in another podcast. You can leave or you can die. That was the options they had. And the tax kept being raised. If you think you're going to be raptured, you are dead wrong. And that theory has only been developed since the 1800s. You're not raptured. The wave offering tells you that the saints who obeyed Jehovah, Abraham, up to that time, Noah, were raised up at that time. And they're in heaven. No man's gone to heaven except the Son of Man who come down from him. That's what Yeshua said. So if that's true, then where are these 24 elders that are in heaven now that are spoken of in the book of Revelation come from? They came from this wave offering. The next wave offering is the one we all are anxious to be a part of. That's the one at Shavuot. Because since Yeshua died... No one else has gone up to heaven. Oh, Joe, you're stepping on everybody's toes today. Yes, get back to your Torah and start to read. If you want to understand what's going on, you got to keep the holy days. And if you don't keep them, you're guessing at best. So your salvation is dependent upon you sighting the moon to begin the month and upon you seeing if the barley is a vive for the wave sheaf offering. And if you're not doing that, if you're keeping the calculated calendar or you're keeping the Enoch calendar or you're keeping the Jubilee calendar or you're keeping the Lunar Sabbath calendar or you're keeping the, the Gregorian calendar, then you are in serious doo-doo with Jehovah. And you will not be there when he comes back. Oh, okay, so let's go to Revelation. Revelation uh, 12, verse 13. I want you to think about this. And when the dragon saw that he was cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who bore the man-child. And two wings of a great eagle were given to the woman so that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time, times, and a half time. And the serpent, from the serpent's face. And the serpent cast out his out of his mouth water like a flood after the woman. That's an army going after the woman. And this has taken place at the end 
or just before the tribulation begins, and the woman flees into the wilderness of hiding. And Isaiah 10, I believe, tells us she's going to be hidden by Moab, or 13, we're going to, she's going to be hidden by Moab as a shadow in the night. And the earth opened up and swallowed this flood, this army. And the dragon was enraged over the woman and went to make war with the rest of her seed who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Who are those? Who are those? When this event takes place, it's going to be a metonic cycle year and an additional 13th month will be added. Yet no one will have checked the barley, but they'll keep the Passover at the wrong time. And these people are going to be slaughtered because their saints have already fled into the wilderness. And these people who are coming to keep Passover in this wrong time, according to the Hebrew calendar, a metonic month has been added, a metonic cycle month, they're going to be slaughtered. They're not going to be with the Messiah. They're not going to be with him in the wilderness for those three and a half years when he's training them. Do you see how important it is to understand the calendar? Do you see how important it is to know how to sight the moon, to know how to see if the barley is of Eve? You have a lot to learn if you don't know what I'm talking about. And if you don't care, <laughs> you know, that's your choice. You and your family are going to be toast. That's up to you. But war's coming. War's coming. And Jehovah's promised to protect those who obey him. He doesn't hear the prayers of those who don't obey him. So if you're not keeping the holy days of Leviticus 23 at the proper time, he doesn't hear you. If you're not keeping the sabbatical year at the right time, he doesn't hear you. Your salvation is on the line here. Your protection, your safety, your liberty, your freedom from fear. But if you're not obeying, you better be afraid and shake to the core of your bones because you're not in accordance with Jehovah. Well, I'm going to wrap this up now. If you want more information, we have this information on our newsletters that are sent out each week. Please help us share these podcasts. Tell other people to like them, to rate them, give them a five-star rating, subscribe to them, share them on your social media, tell others to listen in. This is an important teaching today. And I'm not backing off because some people are giving me a hard time. I really just don't care. If you like it, share it. Prove me wrong. I dare you. Prove me wrong if you can. Prove me wrong. So please share these broadcasts. Tell other people to tune in. We need your prayers because there's a lot of people ticked off at us. And share this around the world. But in order to do that, we also need your financial help. So don't be afraid to subscribe on our PayPal account. Just go to donations at sightedmoon.com and you can subscribe there. $5 a month. And it means so much. We need more people helping us. Thank you again. We bid Jehovah to open your eyes. We pray that he helps you to understand his truth, not mine, not some other man's, but Jehovah's own truth written in his own Bible. We pray that he opens your eyes. And that'll happen as you obey and as you start to pray and ask for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So until next time, folks, shalom.